least you are prepared to give. And giving is not an investment. It is not a day at the bargain counter. It is a total risk of everything, of you, of who you think you are, who you think you'd like to be, where you think you'd like to go, everything. And this forever, forever. Now, I, if I may put it this way, and all my tribe, if I may put it that way, find it's very hard to do. And it's very hard on my mother, and my sisters and my brothers, and all my friends, and it's very hard on me, and I may fail in the next two seconds. But then one has got to understand that as I and all my tribe, I mean artists now, that if it is hard for me, if I spend weeks and months avoiding my typewriter, and I do sharpening pencils, trying to avoid going where I know I've got to go, then one has got to use this to learn humility. After all, after all, there is a kind of saving egotism, too, a cruel and dangerous, but also saving egotism about the artist's condition, which is this. I know that if I survive it, when the tears have stopped flowing and the blood is dried, when the storm has settled, I do have a typewriter, which is my torment, but it's also my, my work. If I can survive it, I can always go back there and if I've not turned into a total liar, then I can use it and prepare myself in this way for the next inevitable and possibly fatal disaster. But if I find that hard to do, and I have a weapon which most people don't have, then one must, one must then understand how hard it is for almost anybody else to do it at all. And this is where the whole question in my own private personal case of being an American artist, of being not yet 65 years old, and of being an American Negro artist in 1963, in this most peculiar of countries, begins to be a very frightening assignment. One is dealing with, all of the time, the most inarticulate people that I, in any case, have ever encountered. And I don't hesitate to say the most inarticulate group of people I'm ever likely to encounter, I or anybody else, for a very long time, at least in this century. Inarticulate and illiterate in a very particular and difficult to describe way. Unlettered in a language which may sound a little florid, but there's no other way that I can think of to say it. Totally unlettered in the language of the heart. Totally distrustful of whatever cannot be touched. Panic-stricken at the very first hint of pain. Are people determined to believe that they can make suffering obsolete? Who don't understand yet a very simple physiological fact that the pain which signals a toothache is a pain which saves your life. This is very frightening. It frightens me half to death. And I'm not talking now merely about race, and I'm certainly not talking merely about Southerners. I'm talking really about two-thirds of my public and technical allies. People who believe that it is time that the country became a real democracy. People who believe that segregation is wrong. People who to march on picket lines. Who yet have overlooked something else. 
And they are still under the illusion, I think, that what they have overlooked has something to do with social questions, and in my particular case, anyway, that it has something to do with Negroes. I would like to live long enough, don't misunderstand me, but I would like to live long enough to see that word, or the use to which it's put, struck from the American vocabulary. In effect, there is no Negro problem. The problem is that one is still in a kindergarten, an emotional kindergarten, and the Negro in this country operates as some weird kind of uh, gorilla who suddenly is breaking up all the backboards. I am tired of being told, well, not only to wait, but I'm tired of people saying, what should I do? They mean, what should I do about the Negro problem? What can I do for you? There is nothing you can do for me. There is nothing you can do for Negroes. It must be done for you. One is not, one is not attempting to save 22 million people. One is attempting to save an entire country, and that means an entire civilization. And the price for that is high. The price for that is to understand oneself. The price for that, for example, is to recognize that most of us, white and black, have arrived at a point where we do not know what to tell our children. Most of us have arrived at a point where we still believe and insist on and act on the principle which is no longer valid, that this is such and such an optimum uh, choice is the lesser of two evils. And that is no longer true. Gonorrhea is not preferable to syphilis. The time has come, it seems to me, to recognize that the framework, the framework in which we operate weighs on us too heavily to be born and is about to kill us. It is time to ask very hard questions and take very rude positions at no matter what price. It is time, for example, for one example, to recognize that the major effort of our country until today, and I'm talking about Washington all the way down to whoever heads the Women's Temperance Union, is not to change a situation, but to seem So I wasn't, I didn't want to really touch my clarinet because I was having some feelings of sadness. So I just, I didn't want to put any sadness into her. But today I'm, I'm not feeling sad at all. I feel, yeah, proud. Um, 
and humble at the same time. <laughs> Always. person I was couch surfing and I just saw it and I needed it and I needed to pick it up and play it for whatever reason I just knew it and when I started playing the clarinet it was definitely tedious for me and I remember why I remembered why I put it down in the first place but it really sparked the hunger in me to make music and find the right instrument, find the right instruments to do that because I could feel the music starting to play inside of me and yeah, it just needs uh, the right instruments, the right tools, the right sounds to fully express itself out of me. that the ultimate goal of music playing, storytelling, dancing, ultimately creating art in general, I think, is the, is the freestyling, the live performance, the analog, the day-to-day, -day, the daily life, that rhythm, that's kind of what it's all about, I think.
I became a poet at 13, and now I'm 28, and I've written a couple books now, a couple more coming. Praise God. said let there be light he was speaking of you and then he found that the trees of life needed a fruit blacker the berry sweeter the juice he was thinking of you you have that same goddess glow that i see in the moon Square E, what happens? You were at Purple Gang, NYC. 
once there's this poet who talked about uh, like poetry is reconstructing our memories. Perfect. Yeah, I know. I think we're going to extend it a little bit deeper. So we're... I was around planet Earth in a cosmic high, enlightened chrysalis, transcendent time and space. Her vibe so high, she lifts the whole human race. Thank you, beautiful God. God's spirit is water. So in the spiritual world, in the mind, we can go into Egypt, and also, and that's where we don't, we, we don't hear.
beginning of eternity, the end of time and space, the beginning of every end, and the end of every race. <laughs> what is it? Uh, dirt. Alright, I'm supposed to stall. So everybody take a big breath. And go, so hard I was weeping so if you notice like a really nice saltiness <laughs> that's my effort mm. glad it's not coming from somewhere else what is it a story or something? she's the hardest person to tickle Hi. in the world it's like it took me a few months to learn how to tickle her <laughs> I accidentally rung it You just put weird things in your bowl all the time. You just take weird things from girls. The beginning of eternity, the end of time and space, the beginning of every end, and the end of every race. Yeah. What is that? E. E. The letter E. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs>
stepping stone. But we can, we must choose a good path because we need to work towards peace because technology will not save us, government policy will not save us, corporate capitalism will not save us, more plastic will not save us, cheaper gas will not save us, Monsanto will not save us, the military will not save us, war will not save us, only I've been made aware of false claims.
All right, we just heard, uh, first it was the part two sound collage from Eloisa, and then there was a couple of Tenali's Muddy Boots excerpts that were um, Rainbow Gathering centered. And after that, it was William's poems. This is something he did at Open Mic. Uh, he called in, I think, four episodes back, and we had an interview, and he read some poems um, on his phone. Check it out. Uh, he's a good poet. And... We uh, love having him on here. So now I had someone send me some music that they wanted me to share that they wrote. And uh, this is someone from... Uh, this is kind of local music from where I'm from. And uh, I told him I would play it on the radio. So... <laughs> was uh, Jim Best um, doing a cover, and he sent me another song, and I would like to play it for you. Um, yeah, we had a, just on Christmas, there was a, a comic in the Bay, Frosty Nugs. He passed away on Christmas. Frosty passed away on Christmas. It's yeah, he got stabbed in the heart on his birthday. He got stabbed in the heart on his birthday, and he didn't die and 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 asked people to not call an ambulance he's like no nah, man i'm good i'm good <laughs> and he survived getting stabbed in the heart and he just passed away on christmas and um 
I would like to play some of his comedy uh, to remember him. But we were just talking about Frosty Nugs. So I'm going to play. So that what, what I just played was uh, About Love. It's a Timothy Seth Abbott cover. And here is another um, song. I think this one's an original um, from Jim West. It says, No One Ghost Girl. Um, very talented man from my neck of the woods. <laughs> yeah, and if you want me to play your music on this show, let me know. Send us a message. Send us some links to the always free pod at gmail.com. A L L F R E E P O D at gmail.com. Always free pod. I'll say it again just as I kill time. Always free pod. Send us your stuff. We want to play it. I'm dying to forget. I'm dying all alone. I'm searching for the torch that helps me light my way back home. I see you in my dreams. An effigy So that was uh, Jim Vest covering or playing No One, Ghost Girl. Um, that was good. So we found some uh, Frosty Nugs thing. But while we're getting Frosty Nugs queued up, I'm going to uh, play something else. And I was going to find the thing. Is it playing yet? Or no? Okay. So yeah, uh, Frosty Nugs, rest in peace. Uh, he he always he was really kind 
to the comics and he ran a, an open mic called Bricks. And at Bricks, he would always bring bunches of food. It was like a late mic and uh, he fed a lot of people and he was super in the Grateful Dead and that kind of thing. You know, he was like a, a spark of light, of like hippie light in this comedy community we have here in the Bay Area. And he will be he will be missed. So we're looking for like a clip of his comedy to play. And um while we're loading that up, I'll play some I'll play some of uh Isaac Hill's music. Uh that was on that the I am on the show a couple weeks with AC and Jonah uh-huh. from Stitch and Witch. As soon as I find that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Here we go. So, yeah, I'm going to play this uh, quick little song. And then when we come back, we're going to play some of Frosty Nugs' comedy. From 2015. From 2015. Ah! Huh. Interesting. April 24th, 2015. We're going to play AC's song because uh, we love AC. <laughs> so this is Isaac Hill AC's song. You can find this music. Or through abuse Or just with time, my love And with disuse 